I'm Starla. I'm Mary. And I'm Jocelyn. And And we're we're the Snarky Snarky Boob Boob Queens. This is our disclaimer. The Snarky Boob Queens podcast is for informational and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have breastfeeding difficulties or concerns about you or your child's health, please reach out to your healthcare provider or an IBCLC. All right, guys, we're back and it's May. Yay for May. Yeah, it's a Justin Timberlake. <laughs> it's gonna, gonna be May. What's uh, with that? I don't know. Okay. First of all, NSYNC was my jam in the 90s. And <laughs> I really miss that was a great decade. Do oh, you guys yes. do you guys miss your own decades or is the 90s just everyone just loves the 90s? Uh, That's no, a question. Don't love the 90s. Miss my decade. Which is the 80s? The 80s, yeah. The oh. hair bands and the disco from the late 70s. <laughs> Man, Starla, my- what do you, 90s or 80s? Oh, eights. I graduated in 84. I heart the class of 84. I had a bumper sticker on the back of my 1977 old cutlass. It was red. It had white wall tires. It had white leather interior. And yeah. So I'm talking Journey, Bon Jovi, Weird Al. Oh, boy. See, Mary, yeah. it was your yeah. thing, too. I mean, oh, I like okay. the 70s music, but that was still a little hippie for me. So we were talking like she blinded me with science, science. and even Kenny Rogers, like at homecoming, we would play lady. Oh, yeah. So, but no, it, yes. So, no, the 80s was my jam. Sticks, Foreigner, Journey, like I live for them. Well, I feel like oh, 1984 yeah, yeah, yeah. was the best year because that's when a legend was born. You know me. Crickets. You know me. Yeah. I was born. Me? Oh, oh you yeah. me? In 1984, guys? Oh, my you God. Were you were born, born the year I graduated from high school? Yeah, oh, girl. dear Lord. But I'm out of here. Why do I feel like we're kindred spirits, even though you're a lot younger than I am? Because I feel old. that I'm way, too. So. If I was a teen mother, I could have been your mom. You could have. I could have been your mom. Yeah. Oh. Do you know what year why? I graduated from high school? When? 2002. Oh my goodness. I know. I had kids in soccer practice then. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. Oh, I'm an infant. So I did not know this about you. Justin Timberlake was my jam. I just loved him. He was his little NSYNC. He was being in the um, little Barbie doll. No, like the little Ken doll box. Do you know that video? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Oh, I that's know. a great picture. It's a, it's a different time, but I'm, I'm taking snapshots of us with cool filters. Guys. So we want to hear from you guys. Are you, do you love the eighties, the nineties? And, and now p- people in the 2000, like I was thinking about this about my kid because she was born in 06 and we're talking about this. I'm like, oh, you're going to be in your twenties in this decade. Mm-hmm. She was born in 06. So, um, so people that are 21, like you could have, you could have been born in 2000 and have kids by now. Yeah. So we would love to know out of our listening audience, like who our moms are, who are younger moms, Mm -hmm. who are really hip and in the middle of it and they're young and they don't have any wrinkles anywhere at all on their body. They're not worried about sunblock. They're living their lives, having a great time. 
And then there's like the 30-ish mom, the 40, like where is our demographic? Yeah. We think we know what they are because I know a lot of people on our podcast, Mm -hmm. but But. I would love to know like where are older moms, moms who have like teenagers at home and then they've got new babies. Oh yeah. Right. Because I see a lot of them in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I mean, bless Mm -hmm. your little hearts. You start it all over again. But I feel like it would be good to have a baby. Like, I'm not having a baby, but at least if I had a baby, someone in the house would just love me and want to, like, be around me. Yes. You know? You miss that. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Because the baby is like an extension of you, right? So they would come in and, oh, mommy, where's the baby? Because didn't we all three live with hashtag baby on the boob all the time? There's a picture, Jocelyn, of you on your Facebook page you put up every now and then. It says, always nursing a baby. Yes. You had your little boppy and Carlos was like 20 and you were like 22, 19. No, I was 20. No, you were 20. He was 21. Yeah, we're babies. So cute. I know. Thank goodness. I was young, so I made lots of milk. So, yeah. Yeah. I need to send out a disclaimer because two out of the three of us are drinking wine today. Ooh, fun. So we're going to like be real... Fun. I'm Fun. the only sober one. You're the designated <laughs> what, driver. Excuse me, you're drinking your I'm polar fine. cranberry lime I brought you yes. because our friend Mary's all about the water and the health, and Jocelyn and I like run on wine. So we got some <laughs> some prophecy Pinot Grigio. Jocelyn and Starla are the hot messes of the group. That's just what That's how we live. Say. <laughs> so anyway, oh we're goodness. super excited to be here, mm-hmm. and we're working on like some really exciting things and some education and. Um, so stay tuned, you guys, because we're like really pumped for. We big might be that a little happening. chattier today because normally we blow in, we talk about our topic, kind of a little bit, throw it around, hugs. What you been doing today? Ten minutes later, we're recording. We've been at this for three and a half, four hours now mm-hmm. about brainstorming. So if you know, y'all, yeah. good luck with this. Yeah, but- we may it be like squirrel <laughs> already. <laughs> it's like where's the shiny thing? But. <laughs> To our listeners, definitely stay tuned because what we're working on is big, 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 B-I-G. And I have to send a shout out because I had a lovely mom um, send me a note this week and a little gift and said that our podcast got her first through the first weeks of motherhood. So I have to send a shout out and thank you very much. So what I'm going to do with that little gift is the next time the three of us are together, I'm taking us all out for coffee. Ooh, and that way we can toast and celebrate to this wonderful mom. So Yeah, oh, and yes. I think ultimately, like, the whole goal of what we're doing is just trying to reach moms and, and be relatable and just share best practices for breastfeeding and, and make moms feel empowered. So I just, that made my heart just smile. You just said our yeah. whole thing in a nutshell. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's talk about the news this week. Who wants to hear about COVID? Woohoo! Don't hear about COVID. <laughs> COVID is a thing still. Oh, honey. I know. JK. Okay, so we're actually, this is like good news with COVID. So thankfully, <laughs> I love some. So nursing mothers who received. So this was actually published in the Pharmacy Times. And it says that nursing mothers who receive a COVID-19 vaccine may pass protective antibodies to their infants through breast milk for at least 80 days following vaccination, according to researchers at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. St. Louis. 
So the study involved five mothers who provided frozen breast milk samples after receiving the two-dose COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer. This was some of the first peer-reviewed evidence that breastfeeding confers long-lasting immune response in nursing infants and toddlers. So another reason to get your vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Knock this out. That's incredible. I know. Yeah, yep. Here it says uh, there have been... Uh, approximately 70,000 pregnant people vaccinated against COVID-19. I love that. Wow. With no evidence of harm. Let's put that in there too. It's right. Nice. Well, and it's interesting because I've known nurses that I work with who are actively trying to conceive or, you know, will be soon. And they're thinking, let's go ahead and get this because I want to be healthy throughout my pregnancy and I don't want to be living in a, you know. In, in a bubble of, where you can't see anyone. Mm-hmm. You can't see anyone. Mm-hmm. Because... I know I've had both mine, so has my, my husband. And it's just nice because now we go to dinner. Like, I feel like we're living a somewhat normal life and that we're kind of emerging out of all this after the year that we have had that is so hard. And I know this has impacted all three of us in various ways. It's been very, very difficult, mostly because two out of three of us worked in healthcare actively. One of us is... is um, raising very busy active teenagers mm-hmm. and everybody has had their little piece but i think my hair is growing back in Yay! <laughs> not that i lost it all but i can just tell don't you tell you got baby hairs from the hair loss of the stress yeah. Oh, yeah and all the things with covid and the sun is shining and i feel like we can get out and do things and be more social so we need it by the way we need to put our social date back oh on yeah, the club. yeah yeah we do yeah because we do this old supper club well, and I think too, what will be interesting, and and we've touched on this a lot with like kids in school, but um, I know a lot of moms who had babies this year that didn't get the support that they needed or felt isolated and kind of mm-hmm. how that will affect them, um, you know, moving forward. It's been hard for pregnant moms and new moms. And I think, and I don't know if you guys are this way too, we were at a track meet and things seemed normal. Like we were outside and the kids were having fun. And in my head, I kind of had a hard time with it because everything external around me felt normal, but inside I don't feel the same. Like I'm not the same person. So the return to normalcy, I think it's going to bring up some feelings. Um, I think so because we've talked about this before you and I, Jocelyn, for sure that your brain remembers things that are subliminal or subconscious and it, it pulls it up when you don't think you're going to pull it up and the anniversaries and milestones and things come around and it's just, it, it's just a whole different world. And I think that's going to be a period of time that thank God it wasn't any longer than it was, mm-hmm. but I think we'll be able to learn and grow. And one day we're going to look back and go, Oh my God, did you remember that whole year? Oh yeah. How like did we, we moved that? and, and, and I was very appreciative that we were able to move into a neighborhood that had tons and tons of children and families. So we felt loved on and were able to connect with new people. But I still felt like that whole, you know, you got to keep everybody at arm's length and you talk across the street. Remember that first few weeks where oh, you're yeah. like, you didn't know. It was almost like you're walking around. You didn't know who the bomber was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have it? No. Do you have it? Hot potato. <laughs> yeah. And then now it's like, oh, I got to wear this stupid mask for 10 hours a day. And now I got to wear it to church. And I got to wear it to Walmart. But I find myself pulling it down and having a few sips of water around like at work if I need to do that. I put it right back on, obviously, because mm-hmm. my employer requires that. But 
it's just, I think mentally it's going to take us a while to get over this. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that when I watch TV and I see (laughs) groups of people I think, oh, look how close they are. Is that I, remember, I, you out. I think, oh, no, that, that's okay. That was fine then. Or nobody in the show is wearing masks. Oh, that, right. That wasn't a thing then. Yeah, it's right. I mean, I just think um, for moms, like, I feel like it's the pandemic has affected moms differently. And um, I just, for all you moms out there that have struggled this year, just know that like solidarity that we understand that Mm -hmm. it's not been easy and going back to normal won't be easy either. And, um, you know, there's lots of support out there. If you feel like you need additional support, definitely reach out to your healthcare provider. Yeah. And you know what I think is really cool. I have to give kudos to those moms locally. There's a couple of counties that haven't been as, as progressive. It seems like as our County is with our kids go to school with, Asking and going back to school virtual or full full face and all of that and that families have had to struggle in lots and lots of ways but that there needs to be this my hats go off to my friends and their kids that are are going to they're having to be virtual not because of choice mm-hmm. and they've had to make those changes in their homes and they pull it out and i'm just going to say y'all are badass so if your kids haven't gone to school all the time because of not your choice if it's your choice you've made it work for your family right Mm -hmm. because that's what you worked out people who didn't want to here you go here's your computer your laptop your chromebook for your kid and good luck with that but i think you moms are badass anyway Mm -hmm. but i think those of you that have pushed through this god love you so today our topic is about being an um, international board certified lactation consultant. And what a mouthful that is. Um, The three of us are um, that certification. And we're going to talk about what is a lactation consultant? Well, we are breastfeeding helpers. um, But on steroids, I would say. (laughs) Because but not literally. No, no, no. no. Um, It's not part of the job requirements. When I was studying for the test, I could not believe how scientific this thing that we do is. Um, You think of it as kind of, you know, warm and fuzzy, but it really isn't. The the backstory is um, a lot of chemistry and anatomy and um, psychology and all of the ologies. Um, so what we do is, um, well, what we do, um, assessments of mom's breastfeeding. Um, we look at the baby, we look at the mom, we look at the latch, we hear your story. We are good listeners. Um, and then we, we make our assessment of what is going on. Um, and we get... We get pretty good at it. Um, We know pretty much when you call us and say, my baby is two weeks old, we know what you're going to (laughs) say. You're like, here it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that is something that I think is important for us as breastfeeding helpers to tell um, moms is that if you understand um, newborn behavior and you know what they're programmed to do, like the sleeping thing, um, things like growth spurts. If you understand that, 
then you're not so surprised. You're not so worried about what is happening with your baby. And that is a lot of what I like to do is if you know how your baby's hardwired, then you can work around it. Um, because that's instinct is instinct and there's no fighting science. So, um, we um, work in different venues. Um, it's, it's a cool job because we can be so many different places. We can be in a hospital like we have all been. Um, you guys have been in private practice. Um, let me go back to the hospital first um, before I go on. But in the hospital, we see so many different scenarios. Uh, we'll see late preterm babies that have their own challenges, uh, moms who have had breast surgeries or uh, some health conditions, um, flat nipples, all the different kinds of nipples. We've talked about that. Just so many different situations, high-risk babies. Um, and, and we have to take that all in and take that into consideration um, when we help you. Um, so, okay. So then talking also about, um, uh, not moms, but lactation consultants in private practice. Um, that's actually pretty cool. That is something that I would like to do. And I, you know, you guys have both done that, but it's, you know, it's challenging. It has its own challenges, um, that you can do that in an office or in go to people's homes. There are some lactation consultants that go to your home, um, which is really cool because they meet you where you are. And it's so much easier when you don't have to get out of your jammies, you know, and with a newborn and the minute you are about to leave the house for your appointment, the baby has a blowout <laughs> or wants to feed Imagine again. That. You know, it's just really hard to get out the door. So it's nice when people um, can come to you to help. Mary, did you do home visits at WIC? No. Oh. No. Well, did you? Yeah. So it was really interesting because, and I know you're going to talk about WIC, but when I worked for WIC, part of our program became that we would do home visits. And at first, I was very, like, wary about it mm -hmm. because, and, and we served, you know, I would have to go into rough neighborhoods. Oh, girl. Oh, you um, know like, I would go into the roughest neighborhoods, and that was part of what our program was, mm -hmm. and those were the clients that we served, and so that's what we did, and I was, had a lot of reservations about it, but I think home visits are the best and no one ever messed with me like because I'd be in these rough neighborhoods and I'm a little lady mm -hmm. and I look younger than I am and so I'd like I definitely like would be like hey guys like um like and they would look at me like why are you here like what's your deal and I'm and they knew like I was here to see the babies mm -hmm. and so they were like you're cool like mm -hmm. yeah go ahead and see the babies <laughs> and um you're meeting moms where they're at, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and they just are so appreciative and they're in their own space. I just love home visits. Sorry, I had to interject, but no, no home visits loved, are my favorite. I loved home visits too, because I think there'd be nothing worse than going back and thinking when I had a one week old baby or a four month old baby, hauling a baby out into all of the whatever elements, packing up all the things, especially oh. your first kid. Mm-hmm. Because oh, we yeah. see mostly first-time moms. We see a lot of repeat moms, but first-time moms. And you're hauling everything up because you don't know what you're going to need. And you pack like you're going for a three-day camping trip. <laughs> and and going in and sitting on that green couch that we had that uh -huh. we, we picked the 
the covering so that we could wipe it off and the baby poo, it wasn't going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine going into there and sitting down and being on somebody else's turf and trying to relax and explain what's going on. And your baby never, like, you don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. So going into someone's home, having them in their bathrobe, putting their feet up, the best home visit I think I ever did. I was going out to weigh a baby for a mom and I walk in they're just darling. She's in her little robe and she's hobbling around after her C-section, drinking her water pitcher like crazy. And her husband's answering the door and like, can I get you anything? And I see the book, 50 Shades of Grey is on her coffee table. <laughs> All right. And I'm like, so how long has that been there? Because you know, when you have a kid, like your hospital paperwork lays out for six months on your coffee table. Oh yeah. yeah. And she goes, well, a friend of mine dropped it off. And I said, well, good for you. Like if you can even <laughs> mentally pick up a book and read it, especially that, I thought that was the funniest. That was probably one of the best visits ever that I did. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, meeting people where they are in their own environment, you can help them so much more because mm -hmm. you can help them figure out like, I know why you're having trouble. You need a footstool underneath your chair. Mm -hmm. You need to lay back on that amazing sectional. Why are you sitting in your dining room chair with a poppy pillow you know, trying to put your nipple, drop your nipple in the kid's mouth? Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes a big difference when you're doing it at home. I know. I love it. <laughs> well, hearkening back to a previous uh, podcast, Fifty Shades of Grey, I think, should wait until after the six-week visit. <laughs> well, I, I did put a little plug in and was like, girl, if you can, like, yeah, more power to you. I And, and it's funny because I don't, I don't remember the mom's name. Whoever's listening to this podcast, you may know her. She lives in, the house was in my neighborhood. I think they have since moved. And every time I pass that house, I go, man, remember that coffee table? It was glass, had Fifty Shades of Grey. She, she was about... 4'11", 5 feet tall. Jocelyn, she looked made you look like the Jolly Green Giant. And I just love them. She was a teacher. She drove a Volvo. I thought they were the coolest people ever. Mm -hmm. And all I needed to do was weigh her little baby on, I don't know, a couple days after discharge mm -hmm. because pediatrician wanted to make sure the baby's doing okay over the weekend. And I just loved it. That, that I just love that. <laughs> well, and it's funny. New mom's always like, oh my God, I'm sorry. My house is a mess. And I'm like, Thing. You've never seen my house. Like your house should be of all times. Yes. This yes. is easy to pass. Like it's yeah. fine. My you know, house my... is a mess and I'm not postpartum. <laughs> exactly. So hmm. you know what my mom always said? What? She would say, tell them to put the vacuum cleaner in the corner and plug it in and leave it there. What? For weeks. Great idea. And Ooh. she told me to do that. And I'm like, why would I do that? And she says, because if you have your vacuum cleaner out, it looks like you're in the middle of trying to fix it, the problem. <laughs> it's like you're holding a Band-Aid above a wound. You're getting ready to fix it. And just leave it there. And she says, and then you know who your friends are because they'll run the vacuum for you. And they're uh, like, all right, where's the guest bedroom? Because you've got four piles of laundry on the bed and you're pulling things out. That's your, like your dresser. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, for those of you just... My mom was an amazing mom and she would always be very helpful and practical. And she would just leave. She is amazing. Yeah. But she, is. she would just leave <laughs> vacuum cleaner plugged in. I so love I that think, so much. So my husband now, cause he's retired, he stays home and he helps, he helps. He raises our grandkids when I'm at work, but um, I'm like, he leaves the vacuum cleaner out. I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't I just believe it in the corner? And it looks amazing. So <laughs> he does all the housekeeping. It's great. We digress. I love that. He's a good guy. <laughs> so 
being a lactation consultant is just awesome and home visits yeah. are the best. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and you were talking about WIC. So, um, we both worked for WIC. Um, I was in a, a rural county in mid Missouri, um, and I was a breastfeeding coordinator and it was not a big breastfeeding place. In Missouri, um, it wasn't? No. I thought everybody was like, you had dairy cows and you had breastfeeding moms. And there nope. was nobody else that lived there. <laughs> nope, nope. They referred to our office as the, uh, the uh, with the formula company or the formula <gasps> place or something. <gasps> no, that Say hurts my feelings. So horrifying to me. <laughs> but there but, is Milk Mary. Yes, there's Milk Mary. And I did increase our breastfeeding rates. And, um, and I like doing it. Um, that was partially how I got my start. Of course, I breastfed my own kids. We, we know that. And that's how I think a lot of uh, um, lactation consultants come about is that we had um, a good experience or, you know, or just a really challenging experience. And we know what it's like and we want to be out there and, and help you guys um, get through it because it is, it is worth it. And I know it feels like whatever's happening at this moment is going to continue that way. It isn't. And we're there to help you know that and to get through that moment. Um, so um, let's see. So WIC was probably my start. That's where I got most of my hours to sit for the exam. Um, we're going to talk about how do you become a lactation consultant. And that is one hairy ordeal, no, I have kidding. to say. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Um, you got to have a lot of hours and you got to have hopefully a career where you can do that. Um, so for that, part of that is education and it's ongoing. So we still have to get um, SERPs is what they're called, um, ongoing education and to recertify, what is it, 75? 75 because girl, oh, December Lord. 22. I'm there. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I think I research. Oh, I research a year after you. But I'm trying to decide if I retake it because you have to retest every 10 years. It's mandatory. It's changing this year. And we were just talking about this. I can't figure it out on the website. I got to sit longer um, and ponder over that. But you have to retest every 10 years. 10 years for sure. Every five, you have to have had 75 contact hours. So that's hours of education, whether it's in person or online. And people, it is not cheap to do that no, no. or to take the test because the test is 600 ish dollars. I don't know what it is. 660. Mm. And then now you have to go to the testing center and take it on computer because, girl, I used to take it on the Scantron with the pencil and paper. <laughs> and it they they used to allot you seven hours to take the test Ooh. in person. Mm hmm. And they would, it was like taking the state boards, but on steroids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, oh, I can't tell you the mm. three times I've taken that test has been horrific. It's, it's tra traumatizing. I remember they said, do you have anything in your pockets? And I said, <laughs> I have my <laughs> tissue because I always have tissue in my pocket. And they said, well, you can't have it. You need to throw it away. You can have one of our tissues though. <laughs> like, this is a little, like, I had a starlight mint. And the guy's like, let me see the wrapper. I'm like, what can you write on a starlight mint? <laughs> and I've had sinus surgery before my, the last time I took, well, two times ago, my second one. Oh, I, I used neosinephrine. Like I just shot up like I was some mm -hmm. sort of drug addict. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't get a bloody nose during the test. Cause then what am I going to do? Right. What right. are you going to draw a breast diagram on your mint wrapper? <laughs> 
Yeah. No, That's not going to help you. The mint wrapper will not help you on the IBCLC. Mm, no. no. Seven hours of a test. Now, now it doesn't take you that long, but that's how they allot you. And you, and now they divide it into sections. So it was back then it was half questions, half slides. Remember all mm. the slides you see? Mm. Oh, oh y'all. It is not all cute little cherubic looking babies and their little toothless grins and milk running down their cheeks. You got funky nipples, bad lighting, excesses, bad lighting, oh, yeah. and you're like, what are they asking me? What yeah. am I looking at? I don't know. And we can't it. tell you anything else that's on the test because I'll cut our tongue down. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so we have to keep up to date. Um, so, and everything that we do is evidence based, and that is very important um, because evidence changes, and we have to keep up with it. Um, there are so many myths out there that you don't want that. You want what we have no. to say. Um, we are good listeners and we're very caring. It's true. That's what we have to be. It just is. Um, yeah, no one goes into this field because they want to like fly on a private jet because they like... It's like, not glamorous. No, I feel, always felt like as a lactation consultant. You remember the show Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? <laughs> yes. yes. I'm like, I am the breastfeeding version of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Like, I want to come to your house and help you. And it's fine. You can pay me in pies. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like one of those things that you have this, you feel like it's a calling, I think. Oh, yeah. That is something that you have a passion for. And, but you never start off in your life thinking, oh, I want to become a lactation consultant. And people mm -hmm. will say that. I go, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, you never, no. you never talk to a kid in high school and say like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one has ever said lactation no. consultant in the history of ever. No. So nine times out of 10, when people ask you, what do you do? I say I'm a nurse. You uh, say you're a nurse, probably. No. You say you're a lactation consultant. I do. I do. And then I, because if a cocktail party or something, when my first, husband and I were first dating, um, we went to a party down the street. And so he says, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a nurse. I, I work in women's health. I do nursery. And my husband goes, oh, but she's not just a nurse. <laughs> she's a lactation consultant, too. And there's crickets in the room uh -huh. with the men. And the women are like, oh, my God. And they go on and on and on. Everybody starts talking about boobs mm. and their breastfeeding experience and all of that. But then, oh, yeah. but then if I'm, it depends on the setting. I'll, you know, it's like when you talk, when your hometown, if you lived in a little bitty hometown where nobody knows where it is, or you associate it with the next metropolis, mm -hmm. it, that's sort of the, the mm -hmm. way that we talk about it. Yeah. And I'm sure you had a lot of people say, you were my lactation consultant when I had my baby. I love The you. other day, Thursday, <laughs> I'm, I kid you not. We were outside about six o'clock in the evening. I was looking at my cute little roses that are blooming. And I think there's a fungus growing on the rose. Not real sure. If you're into rose funguses, let me know. This couple's walking by <laughs> with these two little redheaded kids, little boy and little girl, darling. And they're talking about our roses. And I said, oh, yeah, we've been to the neighborhood a year ago. And they, they showed us where they lived. I knew where they lived. And she goes, wait, you were my lactation. And I about fell out laughing. And my <laughs> husband rolls his eyes. He goes, it's another one. No. You are my lactation consultant. And she goes to recount all of this. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I always remember the dads probably more than the moms because mm -hmm. your hair changes, 
it's been three years. Mm -hmm. You know, she's got new glasses. She's lost some baby weight. She doesn't have the blue gown on anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, it, and it starts. I can always just tell like how it's going to go. But I thought that was funny. She goes, and then you took care of blah, 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 blah. And she tells me all these other people that she knows. And it's just a thing. You know, it's really what I find interesting. Like that happens to me all the time as well, especially with Wick. Um, we live here and you're, yeah. Mary's moved here. Mary's not a transplant mm -hmm. seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. even like I was checking out at Lowe's once and the cashier was like, you helped me when I was breastfeeding. <laughs> I'll never forget your voice. So Aww. I like they're like my when I talk, they're like, oh, my God, you told me about nipple problems. Like, I'll never forget your voice. And so I, that's always fun. It's usually like randomly or like if I'm talking somewhere, someone will be saying, oh, my gosh, it's you, which I find really odd because I don't remember anyone ever. <laughs> well, I w we went to go get wings. There's a local wing place. It's a sports bar. It's a pool hall sports bar. Great wings. And I went there one day to pick them up. So I call in the order and I go there and you're supposed to pick them up at the bar. So I told her my name and the little girl goes, okay, I'll be right back. So the other girl comes up and she said, so what did you have to pick up? And I told her, she goes, wait, oh my God, do you work at, and she gave a name in the hospital. You were my lactation consultant. And I swear three of the guys with their beers were like, in the world is this conversation i can't wait to hear this because you know the girls work in the bar they dress a little bit different than we do and this went on for like the whole five minutes that i was waiting to wait on the wings she remembered me and there's that. some patients that i remember the voice because we talk to them so much mm -hmm. you know the patients that call you and they're you know calling for a question and there's this one girl that would call and before she would even like say hi my name is I would hear the pump running in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, my name is, and she went, I'm the one that hates breastfeeding, but I pump all the time. I'm like, oh my God, yes. How are you doing? I hear your pump. It's fine. Like, what's happening? I hate breastfeeding, but I pump. You know, keep it honest, girl. I okay. loved it. I said, okay, let's move on to the next one. Like, what, what can I help you with? Because as we all agree, breastfeeding looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you were talking about getting phone calls. Um, what I do these days is when I get a phone call, um, usually I'm in a room with a patient, so I get a message that somebody called, wants to ask some questions. So I text that person um, and I say who I am and I say, um, your choice, we can talk on the phone, we can Zoom or we can, or FaceTime or whatever, or we can, we can text your choice because I know yeah. people these days, yeah. you know, I'm all about the phone call, but that's my generation. Mm -hmm. But people these days, they want the option of texting. And I can see that it's really practical. When you have a new baby, you don't want to be talking on the phone or having the phone ring because if you just got that baby down for a nap, yeah, you need some silence. <laughs> well, sure. and she might need to know how long she can keep her milk in the freezer. Mm -hmm. Does that need a phone call? Not necessarily, mm -hmm. but and it might be something more in depth that she needs to call you for. And mm -hmm. you know, the people that call you and then as soon as they answer the phone, they're like, <laughs> mm -hmm. they start crying. Yeah. You're like, you don't need a call. You need a visit mm -hmm. or you need a glass of wine and a hot bath. So we want to talk about besides being an IBCLC, how did you become a lactation consultant? Everybody has their own story about how they get into your hobbies, your profession, Sometimes you started out that way and it like hooked the right. 
I became a lactation consultant um, because in 19, I had my first baby in 89. My second baby was in 1992. And during that time, there had become this certification. It was right before I think my first was born. 86 or 87, I think, was when the IBLC, mm -hmm. our International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners, started the certification. Because I had this book that stayed on my coffee table, not Fifty Shades Grey. <laughs> the complete book of breastfeeding. That's all I had. And I left it out for when my husband, then husband, he's my ex-husband now, family would come to visit because they gave me such a bunch of, sorry, crap um, about breastfeeding that they just didn't understand. So I left it out thinking maybe they would read, which they never did. So anyway, um, there was this thing about this lactation consultant. And I said, what is this job? Mm -hmm. This sounds amazing. Like I was hooked with breastfeeding. I was wanting to learn more about it. And the hospital where I worked, um, actually the one I'm at now in a different location at the time when I interviewed, I asked about that. And she says, well, that's an interesting job. Typically most hospitals have what they call a boob queen that worked <laughs> on the unit. And she was like the breastfeeder that helped everybody. So there was this wonderful um, nurse that taught a class at a local OB's office. And she kind of helped you navigate around. I took that class, not the one at the hospital, because everybody said you wanted to go to her. And breastfeeding with my first baby went actually pretty fine. I knew I had somebody I could call with questions. And then when I had my second baby, I'm like, it is all like Donkey Kong. Like, I got to get into this. I It angers me that moms don't get support in our community mm -hmm. and in the hospitals where we are. And we need to step this up. So there was one lactation consultant in town at the time. She was a pioneer. And there were two friends of mine that we decided we were going to do this. So we started a three-year journey. And we went to Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. for eight days. Whoa. We were so sick of breastfeeding by the last day. Eight don't, days of breastfeeding? Yes. Don't no. anybody tell. We, we paid a fortune to go up there to stay in a oh. hotel. National Capital Lactation Center. Got to send out to Marie Bancuso, Virgie Hughes, Linda Kuttner, Linda Smith, all the people who were still like the breastfeeding gurus of like back that generation. We were so sick of breastfeeding by the last day because we would have to go back at night and do skills labs that we cut class and we went and had margaritas and chips. And like, <laughs> I don't think I can do this. We're in Georgetown in the middle of no, like downtown DC. I came from here in Charleston, South Carolina to that. And what we were doing was validating the knowledge that we thought we we had because we were sitting for the exam the next month. And we've been globe trotting, going to conferences, reading books. So um, my mom had nursed my sister back in 1970, and she was kind of a pioneer at the time because nobody breastfed their kid there. I was born with a cleft palate and wasn't able to breastfeed. And it was about three years ago that my mom and I had this conversation um, where she says, I always wished I could have with you because I, I felt like I missed out. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I'm carrying on what she didn't get to do. And I'm helping babies and moms do what I never got to do. I teach babies how to suck mm -hmm. when they're having issues. And that's something I didn't do. I was in the hospital for the first four or five days of my life, went home with my mom for a week. She cup fed me. So if anybody ever tells you you can't cup feed your baby, my mom will, will like, there'll be a throwdown because she must have cup fed me for six months with thickened oh. formula with rice cereal. 
And she was 20 years old and she did what she had to do because moms do what they have to do. Mm -hmm. um, my plastic surgeon admitted me at two weeks of age and said, come back in two weeks. Pediatrics back then didn't let parents stay with their kids. And I grew up a lot of times in hospitals and the nuns took care of me and they wouldn't let me cry. Oh, how that. do you keep a two week old from crying? I was held all the time. So can you imagine oh. when I went home? I mean, Love it's one it. thing to nurture your kid, but then you go home. So anyway, long your story mom short, needed a teams of team of nuns to she did. And you. I, I now wish like, what did you do during those two weeks? She was amazing. So long story short, I felt like that was something that I went into. And then the, the very person I took the class from one day, her daughter called me and said, I need to come in and try on some nursing bras. Our little hospital had a boutique. She came in, she walked in with her mother and I went, oh, Cindy, you were my lactation consultant. And I go back to that. And even though she wasn't certified, she was that person. And we still banter back and forth because her grandson is now probably 12. And um, she was a real pioneer at the time. So that's how I became a lactation consultant. Well, I love that so much. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I never, well, no, mm. I wanted to be an OBGYN actually when I was in high school. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is weird. I like hadn't read a lot of like Cosmo and I was thinking about this. Cosmo. Um, <laughs> oh like, my God. Cos because Cosmo had like great, like, like make sure your vagina is good. Yes. Oh, always. So I was like, okay, I, I would be good at this job. I want to be an OBGYN. And no, I really did. Like, and I, remember, I, was, I was thinking about this. Someone once, like in high school, a girl came up to me and she's like, okay, the thing is, I have a yeast infection. And like, somebody told me you would know what to do. And I'm like, I do know what to do. Okay, let me tell you how Monistat works. Hold on. So I was like, I am going to be an OBGYN. And so I was interested in women's help. Um, and I actually got a scholarship to go to Seton Hall. Um, and I got into the pre-med program. You did? did you know I got a $40,000 scholarship to the pre-med program at Seton Hall? And then I was like, I'm 18. Let me just get married instead and move to Oklahoma. Because mm -hmm. I'm in love. Because Which it worked out. Like, I'm actually glad. To. I would have hated being an OBGYN because I worked with them. And I'm like, that job is just way too much for me. So anyway, um, so I, so this, the university where I was at, like it was just the university that was closest to the base because my mm -hmm. husband was in the military. And so I was like, I'm going to be an English teacher. Um, and that's what I want to be. And then I talked to an English teacher and she's like, don't be that. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I got a degree in human ecology, which is really cool. And it's about like how humans interact with with the world around them. So it's like psychology and sociology and anthropology, but also like human nutrition. It was like mm, all those right. things. And so then I found out I was pregnant when I was 19. So surprise, um, you know, so I got married at 18, got pregnant at 19. And I was really into childbirth and breastfeeding and like all the things that were going to happen to me because I studied that in college and I was still in college at the time. And so when my daughter was born, I was 20, but I looked like I was 13. <laughs> um, and people, especially like in the hospital, not all the nurses were very kind to me. Mm. And I didn't get a lot of help and education. And so here I am, I'm 20 years old. Um, I'm trying to breastfeed my baby. I'm getting 
not a lot of support. They wheeled in a breast pump to me because she was having issues with, um, she'd lost a lot of weight in the hospital and I had cracked nipples and literally they wheeled a pump into my room and, um, was like, here you go. Like, didn't show me how to use it. Um, I just had issues with breastfeeding, but I was committed to doing it. And, um, so when we finally figured it out, I got really interested in like how it works. And so I was reading so much and, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to help other moms so they don't experience mm -hmm. the discrimination that I experience or they don't give up. Like, I don't know how I didn't give up breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a miracle. I really honestly feel like this After was my that, calling. yes. Heart, like literally, I mm -hmm. laugh. <laughs> My nipples literally looked like someone took scissors and like cut the tips off. Of ah, like it was bad. Right. Um, and so I was like, there's gotta be a better way. Right. And so I had a degree in human ecology with this nutrition component. And I started working for WIC and then I became a breastfeeding coordinator, um, in the program because I did have a lot of breastfeeding education and, um, so I worked with low income mothers and teen moms who were like my favorite because I'm like, listen, I'm 25 and have a five year old and like I get it like I've been there. So I really felt like I could make an impact. And then um, so I got my clinical hours through WIC. I got my education hours through WIC and then I got certified. And so what's been really cool for me is like I've gotten to work in a variety of different um, capacities. So I've worked for WIC. I worked done private practice stuff. I've worked in the hospital. Um, but my focus has always been like, how do I help moms when they're not feeling supported? But I have a special love for like young moms, teen moms. So, you know, I've worked with moms as young as 13 and as old as 45. So I just think that, um, you know, no, regardless of what your age, your background, your experience, where you are right now, as a mother, you deserve to be supported and have your, um, you know, get appropriate education and support. So that's my. That's my so when I met you, it. when I was sitting in my little office at my hospital where I worked and it had a big, it used to be the, like the volunteer window. Yeah. Like where they came up with glass. This was long before COVID. And here's this cute little thing comes in this cute little suit. And she comes in, shakes my hand, introduces me as the WIC coordinator for the Tri-County area because the previous one had passed away unexpectedly, quickly. Um, Sharon Sprakes, who we owe much to in this community. Mm -hmm. And um, we clicked immediately. I'm like, who is this? I want to be her best friend. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, she runs like Region 7 WIC was lots of counties in, in Charleston where we have young moms, underserved population. Our breastfeeding rates were in the toilet, except for the Hispanic moms. Mm -hmm. God love them because they who they were who brought our rates up, right? Yeah. So WIC was working hard. You had how many peer counselors? Oh, my gosh. We have like eight peer. Our peer counselor, our WIC program was the, we, we called it the dream team. You were the dream team. Like, you were my dream team. We were mm -hmm. out there every day hitting it hard, like. You need an education. You need home visits. You need a pump. Like we, I really enjoyed. Yeah, Hope, Lynn, Tasha, Janice, Tasha, Tasha, um, Shanice, Nicole. I can see her name, and I can't think of Felicia. Her name. What was her name? She was my age, and she had had twins. Oh, Dawn and Dawn. Dawn, 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 Dawn. Yeah. Yes. And one day I thought. I have this vision, this fantasy that they're all going to come to work for us. And I thought for sure that was going to happen. 
Not. <laughs> but we did contract with the hospital. We contracted, and I was able to go to our business director and say, look, why other people have peer counselors come to the hospital to talk to the peers and to the moms and get them signed up for WIC and make sure that they have what they need. Why can't we have them here? And they went, that's a thing. Let's get it. Mm -hmm. And I had some very forward thinking people on our administration. I must go give a shout out to Linda Schofield and Laura McMillan who made those things happen. But um, that was so fun. And I was like, yes. And I met Mary mm -hmm. when she interviewed at our hospital because we were hiring people. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. Like, I just thought you had the best energy ever. And those stupid questions we asked during oh. the interview. Tell me a time when, you know, they were all behavioral based, stupid mm -hmm. questions that we hated. And we were walking out and you said, do you do like that biological nurse, like Dr. Colson stuff? And I went, oh my God, can you come to work with us today? <laughs> Put on, here's some scrubs. Let's it go. Yeah. And there. then I kept, I must have beat on my, my boss's door every week, every other week and said, can't we put up a job description for a non RN IBCLC? Because I'm thinking I'm going to write a job description for this chick, Jocelyn, because she's not a nurse, but she's run the WIC office and who cares? And so later on, I don't know what year you, when, when did you come on? Gosh, that was 2016. Was it seriously five years ago? Yeah. We had more fun working together, the three of us. And now oh, we, here know. we are. Now here we I are. Know. I remember in that interview towards the end, after the questions, I don't know what happened. I was moved by the Holy Spirit or something, but I just started talking about how I felt about breastfeeding. And yeah. it just, the words just came out of my mouth. And, and then we walked out and it was like, we were sisters. Jesus hijacked your, your whole plan and <laughs> made it happen. And when I walked back in the room, I looked at our coworker that was there and I said, she's hired. I don't care if she's the only applicant, she's hired. <laughs> Actually, we had a couple of them and the others we didn't even interview. Oh, wow. I don't think we ever moved forward with them because you were the bomb. And I was like, when is Mary going to start? Yeah. And I went home and I told my husband, there's this girl, Mary, that I met and we're going to be best friends. And I felt like Elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but I love Bunny that you said that there because like, you know what, like accountants aren't like, I love taxes and I want to help everyone do their taxes <laughs> and I'm going to change the world with taxes. But like lactation consultants, they're like, and then we talk about breast brain. pumps. It's like tax. They don't talk about adding machines and like now nah, well, <laughs> adding machines used to be a thing. I'm dating myself, but yeah. What kind of pump do you use? It's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mary? How did, what's your journey? Um, well, I was an older mom, um, with my first child and I remember, you guys didn't love this. I went to my OB appointment and I talked to the nurse practitioner who was also an IBCLC. And she said, so how do you plan to feed your baby? What? She said that to you? Yes. Not breast or bottle? No, <laughs> no. In fact, this was called the breastfeeding appointment. <gasps> At some oh my point. God, I have a thing. I'm digging it. 1997. Dang. I know. Boy, this was a crunchy practice. Let me tell you. They were great. Um, but, um, you know, I said the typical, well, can I do both? Of course. <laughs> he did not. Those, dose. those words came out of my mouth. I am dying. <laughs> I'm dying right now. And she said, well. Well, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and she talked about milk supply and, you know, all the things that we say. And I said, okay, well, 
I'll breastfeed then. I was in nursing school. I wanted to do it. Right. Healthy That's time. all it, Mary, is that all it took? You just said, well, I'll breastfeed then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't oh. say to you what I always say. My mom said, well, well, you could do that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been like that. She was a very diplomatic person. But, yeah, she Not made like a. Us. She <laughs> made a very big. She made a. Yeah, she was a big part of why I wanted Good to become her. I'm so proud to you. Yes. Like you came along and here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It she was. She brought you to us. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that it was. She was just amazing. Um, and we really we had a bond. There was just something there. But um, so we talked, and so I breastfed my baby. Um, Did and you ask was, if you had enough? There's nothing in here. You know, that's the damnedest thing is I don't remember ever worrying about that. I just fed the bloody baby. You know why? Because the bloody I baby? think she, yeah, because I did too. Because I'm like, that's how babies are fed. So she must have planted that. Now, were you breastfed as a child? Oh, no. Were you? No, not at all. Okay, so in that, because more women who are breastfed are more likely to think it's normal. I find that. Mm -hmm. And some, every now and then I'm in a room and I just see people just like they, Pardon the pun. They latch on to the mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. And I ask them, I said, can I ask if you were breastfed as a child, do you know? And the people that are typically don't worry about it. The people who weren't, that they've made that active decision is different. They, mm -hmm. They're having to buy into the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think about my patients now, and that's the first question. Is there anything in there? And, you know, we are made to feed our baby while they're growing on the inside and we're made to feed a baby on the outside. So I don't know. I just never, I don't remember thinking of that. I, I don't either. I do I remember either. calling the postpartum unit a number of times in the middle of the night. My baby's doing this. What do I do? <laughs> they help and they're me. like, I'll be there. They, they must have been like, oh, it's her again. It's Mary again on line three. Yeah. She wants a bottle. <laughs> no, she didn't. No, she didn't. Yeah. Oh, it, it was a funny conversation one time because my daughter, all of a sudden, she had this long sleep span one night. And... Three hours? Just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was really full and I was uncomfortable. And I called and I said, what do I do? I don't want to wake a sleeping baby, right? And the woman says to me, well, do you have a pump? <laughs> like, now I think back to that and I think, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> no, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, whoa, whoa. You were, how early, how long were you in the hospital? Oh, just 24 hours, 24 hours. Why were you full? You were oh, old. This, no, no, this was you were old. This was, this was several weeks in. Oh, I, was, I thought you were like down the hall. I'm like, dang, Mary, when did your milk no, come in? Cause oh, mine wasn't no. that fast in my first baby. And I was like 22. <laughs> oh no. Mary's no, like no, 35. I know. No. I know it took three days and I was 20. You would have thought. Like, oh, no. what, okay. Now I feel better. Cause yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my boobs were broke. <laughs> oh no, no, no. I, uh, yeah, I called in a number of times. For the first several months, it's embarrassing. Was but. there like one nurse that you found that was like working when you called or it yeah. was just hit or miss? Yeah, they'll say yes. You know, Susie is great with breastfeeding. Hold on, I'll get her. The boob queen, yeah. I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because your daughter is 23. <laughs> That's still really progressive. Like yeah. for nurses to. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Back then. So, But 
Tell them about the picture of the when you took your daughter home. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is so funny, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you will never let me forget that. There's a picture Bob took from the back of the car. And Katie's, of course, in the you know back facing seat. So cute. And I'm sitting next to her because when you're a first-time mom, that's what you do. You sit in the back. You know, the second one, you're in you're back in the front seat. They're fine back there. Because <laughs> your butt can't reach the back seat. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a picture of my Katie with a pacifier in her mouth. <laughs> if you know me, they are the bane of my existence. They are the devil. Because I get called in, the baby won't latch. Well, guess what? Uh, do you ever I hold have... it up and go, do your nipples look like this? Mine don't. No, no, no. And I say, has, it, has your baby had a pacifier? Well, he's like, sounds Innocently. like Maggie Simpson from the doorway. Yes. <laughs> you have to play dumb. Yeah. Who else plays yeah. dumb besides yeah. me? I play dumb. Yeah. And well, yeah, last night she was claustrophobic. I gave her one. Well, because you can tell mm -hmm. a baby's looking for that, you know, long, hard nipple. Yeah. When they're going to the human breast and their mouth isn't open wide enough. And ah. so anyway, off the soapbox. <laughs> but yes, my <laughs> lactation friends will not. Let me forget that. <laughs> well, it only came up. Well, one day you came to work and you're like, oh my God, I have to show you this. I'm like, what? What did you do? It's like you got a speeding ticket on your way to work or something. <laughs> I just found this picture of our. And then a couple, you showed it to a couple people on the unit. And I thought that was just because everybody's been there. You don't know what you don't know what you yeah. don't know. No. And it's fine. And I don't know. I remember Cindy, the one that taught our breastfeeding class, was like, don't take a pacifier, but they talked about feeding your babies bottles of sugar water because back in the day, that's what oh. you did. Mm -hmm. So guess what? I had this belief that I had to keep giving the baby sugar water. I sent my husband up to the hospital to get another flat, which was what we called them, like oh. 24 bottles. His Billy Ribbon was 23 when he was five days old. Whoa. Who else just had a cow? Oh <laughs> and we, the pediatrician's like, well, keep him on the breast and put him in the sun. It's fine. Like it's going down. You're feeding him. He's still, he was green with a tan <laughs> and that darn sugar water, but boy, I wouldn't give him no pacifier. Oh, I kept feeding no. him and then no, well, that's the, the worst water, time, which was too. awful to do because mm -hmm. I didn't get any protein. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I had my mother-in-law like, you're starving the baby. And oh, then I was Lord. pumping. I had this weed, this weed eater sounding pump that went, and it would suck so long. And when you couldn't take it anymore, you hit the button and it really like stopped the suction. And the suction lasted, I think, 15 seconds. And oh it would gosh. gradually increase. And when your oh. nipple turned about three inches long and it was purple, Creepy. it was like the size of this microphone. And I would stop it. And I got it at Montgomery Wards. Who else had a kid back in the late 90s? No, SMBs though. SMB pumps, y'all. I okay. used that. I did. I did. I did. Okay. SMBs are like literally from like World War II. And when I was selling breast pumps in like <laughs> 2013 or something, people still had these pumps. They were the bomb. It like, looked like a lawnmower motor. Like it did. Oh, was no. put, in, put on a blue stand and a plastic square case went over it. It weighed what? 46 pounds? Dude, they were oh. yeah, yeah, on yeah. five wheels. Oh. And it only had a little lever that you would plug into the side of it. And then it would, it had this like little piston that was the size of like a sour cream container at the grocery store, mm -hmm. the big one, the 16 ounce. And it would go whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Look at it. And that's what I pump with both my kids. 
Oh my goodness. Oh Lordy. I mean, yes. that looks like a medieval um, torture. No, I mean, and they were still working great. That like, pump was the bomb. And then that, so Amita had that one, Medela had one, and that's what I pumped with because the one I had at home, I was like, forget it. So I think the first day I went back to work, I used it and it broke. And so I went to the SMB and I never used another pump. So if you think you need a freezer full of milk no, when I'm, you nurse your baby, no. you don't. I think I hand expressed enough to put in one bottle for yeah. my kid to take a bottle before they went back to work. Yeah. And then after that, I think I hand expressed enough. I figured that out because God knows we didn't have the internet. And when I went, I had enough for two bottles and that was it. And I thought, oh, that'll be fine. And I'll go to work and I pump and that's the milk I brought home. And I don't think I had more than three or four bags in the freezer. And we nursed mm -hmm. for 10 or 11 months, my first baby and like a year and a half, my second. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them ever had formula. You're yeah. a bad bitch, Starla. Yeah. But that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you did. I didn't keep a bunch in the freezer. I have one last really quick story. When my second was born, it was a C-section. And um, I, when I was, the whole time I was pregnant, could not wait to breastfeed. Oh, I was so into it. Well, he's born. They show him to me. They take him over to the warmer. And I said, I want to breastfeed my baby as soon as I can. And the doctor looked at me and she said, we have to sew you up first. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, what, was it going to drag him through your incision? I don't know. <laughs> it was 2001, you know. I know. But it's just funny it's when they say that, hold up. Wait a minute. Uh, it's yeah. so funny, like, from your second to your first to your second. Ooh. My favorite picture. So my second baby, so my first baby, I'm like 20, and I'm in the hospital, and it's a whole thing. And by the time I have my second baby, I'm like, I am Mother Earth, and I'm going to go to a commune and deliver my baby. Like, that's what I, well, I mean, I didn't go to a commune, but so I had a home birth, and my favorite picture is me in, I mean, it was taken right after she was born, and I'm in a baby pool. Well, it's not a baby pool. It was like a, a birthing table pool, birthing pool in my bedroom, and um, the baby is latched. Like, so I'm literally, and my kids have found these pictures and they go through pictures and they're like, mom, why do we have this? Like, I'm fully nude <laughs> and I'm nursing the baby and my two-year-old is in the pool, which is like spot, like it's clear, <laughs> just really weird. Like I not a, it was, Yeah. So my two-year-old's in the pool looking at the baby nursing and then my husband's in the pool too. And I'm nursing the baby and I'm like wearing, how hippy dippy is this? So when, you know, for your second baby, you don't have a shower and we lived in the middle of the country and I had everyone in my family send a bead but like put a wish for the baby on the bead like like to a wish for it and i made a birth necklace oh my god you're so cool and it's like wow. such a hippie so like when i went into labor i literally put on the birth necklace so all the wishes for my baby would like be transformed Whoa. into her so here's me like mother earth in this pool nursing a baby with my <clears throat> badass birth necklace it was great i loved it that is hilarious but you would but never know now like now i'm like i get hello fresh and i like have a business and i'm like i put on a suit but i'm like no inside i'm in a pool you're so yeah. crunchy like in yeah, the pool. you're eating granola hell. yep yeah you're mm -hmm. such a rebel i was a rebel back then love it so on the topic of becoming an ibclc we talked about our stories how we get it it's kind of a pain it's not like you can just go out on a weekend and go i want to become a lactation consultant um, how do you know an LC is good? I think that's like, how do you know you have a good doctor or a good plumber 
or a good painter. I only say that because I've had to use a painter and a plumber at my house the last couple of weeks or somebody who lays your patio or whatever. It's who is competent in their profession. And I think there's a difference in who is competent versus who is really like, do you want the expert? So when we were getting bids for our house to paint the house on the inside and we were getting bids for an estimates, what do you want to call it for our patio? We got references from neighbors. I looked up like any reviews that they had online. Actually, I didn't this time because my husband interviewed them and he's like, gets to the down journey. But I thought it was important that we had the best that there was. I don't care. Like when I pick my own doctors, I want them to have a great bedside manner and I want them to be smart. But ultimately, they got to be smart and they're not going to let me die. Right. <laughs> so when you know an LC is good, everybody's personalities are different. And, and you may click with someone that somebody else might not because of your personality or their style or what have you. So I think if you're finding yourself in need of a lactation consultant, um, if you are shopping for one, maybe you go and you call the hospital where you delivered. Was there one that you saw that you really liked? Are they offering outpatient lactation services? Currently, our hospital's not. I hope that changes very, very soon. Um, there are many in the community and most communities that you may live in. And that's important that you have someone that you feel comfortable with, that you can explain your situation, that they're going to listen to you. And they're probably thinking while they're listening to you about what's going on, where they're into. I think it's important that, that lactation consultants can anticipate what is happening and they, they might be thinking ahead of you, but yet they're not moving on to where they're missing pieces of the conversation. And when you have a lactation consultant who's very intuitive, I think they can kind of feel your vibe and theirs and hopefully help you find um, a situation that works for you. Some, some tips and techniques. Um, maybe you need two or three visits with them to figure it out because not every breastfeeding experience looks the same. Mm -hmm. I find I found that moms would come in the hospital, um, had their baby, they would go home and I would kind of know they're going to need to come back in a couple of days because I'm worried about her latch. I'm worried about how the baby's going to be with their feeding pattern or they were late preterm baby or whatever. So that I would just say, Hey, why don't you call me on Friday? You're going home on Tuesday or Wednesday. When you go to the pediatrician, call me, let me know how it's going mm -hmm. because you want to make sure that milk transition has happened. The baby's able to transition that milk, transfer that milk rather. And, and, the things are falling into place because sometimes things are going to fall into place swimmingly because they already are. That's not the norm. Mm -hmm. And most everybody, if nothing else, you need to call and maybe just talk through the situation and just bounce it off of somebody because nine times out of 10, we're like, girl, you are rocking this. Like yeah. everything you're worried about is supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And then they go, really? But the ones that aren't, their nipples are hurting, they're getting a bunch of flack from their family, their baby is too sleepy, or he's not able to transfer their milk well, they don't have a good relationship maybe with their pediatrician who, who just told them that they're not breastfeeding fine, but maybe they are. All of those things happen. So you don't want somebody who ran out and took the test. Mm -hmm. People are really good test takers. And I hate this to say, but this is why we are the snarky boob queens. But there are people who are good test takers who are not great clinicians. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true of the neurosurgery world, mm -hmm. but I think in the lactation world, 
There are a lot of brand newbies back when we all kind of got into this. We took the test to validate what we knew, but we would continue to grow and never stop learning. And I think it takes a t takes time probably for that eye for you to develop with that baby's latch is off. He's sucking his cheeks in. He's dimpling. I want to go back and apologize to the moms that I took care of in the first several years. I no. Because we learn together and I learned something from everybody mm -hmm. as you guys do. Mm -hmm. Babies teach you so much. They will humble you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and you're right about that. And I think experience too. And, and, um, and new LCs are fine. Like, you know, I met a lot of great, wonderful, you know, newly certified mm -hmm. LCs, but like for myself, it took, I had breastfed kids for four years and then I did five years of clinical experience yeah. in a variety of settings before I sat for my certification. So, um, I think the experience, um, of who you're going to see, like, do you, if you have a NICU baby, maybe finding an LC who has a lot of experience, yes. um, you know, mm -hmm. dealing in that specialty or with older babies, you know, um, if you're trying to wean your three-year-old, your lactation consultant who specializes in just seeing newborn babies, like the knowledge and experience level might be different, you know? It does. It makes a big difference because everybody kind of has their own little niche. Mm -hmm. But what the exam requires is that you, you're sitting for the exam. It's the same exam given all across the world. And it used to be the same day. There were two days that they gave it. And I would need to know what the same lactation consultant candidate would need to know in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's basically very culturally diverse. They have lots of questions about baby's age and development. They'll show you a picture of a baby, go, how old is it? Or What's it supposed to be doing or something in this its age and stage. And if you've never worked with that baby before, you need to maybe help that mom find somebody who's got that expertise. Not that you can't help her, but maybe she's got something a little specialized. Like I am not really a specialist with babies who have occupational therapy or physical therapy needs. Mm -hmm. I can go, wow, I see what you mean and give them the help with that. But they might need somebody more specialized. There was a baby Mary and I took care of one day at the hospital. Wouldn't latch for nothing. And she was in and out of that room all day and she called me finally. She's like, I can't. I don't know what else to do. I don't remember the kid's name. And I'm like. Room 231. Yes, it was. <laughs> and I kept going. PTSD. Oh, no. If Mary can't get him latched, I, don't, I got nothing. <laughs> so I go in and he's this cute little bald-headed baby. He's wide-eyed and he is a wild man. He would not latch no matter what position we put him in. We put him in the most optimal latch position that was supposed to be a gimme. And that kid would latch. I wound up straining my calf muscle. Yes. <laughs> and the next day I thought I had a blood clot. I didn't. I had to walk with a cane for the rest of the week. Oh my gosh, Starla. Yeah. <laughs> because I just kept thinking he's going to latch. And we were kind of putting him in everything. We weren't forcing anything because we don't force things. But it turns out when he went to the pediatrician a visitor or two later, he was hypertonic mm -hmm. because he was bouncing. It was like he was bouncing off the walls like a ball. And neither one of us could really say, oh, it's this. Mm -hmm. But we knew there was something not right. Mm -hmm. And the mom knew there was something not right. So what we did was we kept supporting her and we found a way to help get her milk out of her to get into him while we worked out the rest of it. 
And I think that's really what all this is, that you might not have the experience with that situation, but you're certainly able to help find someone who can. So it's like the whole Mr. Rogers, who are the helpers? Find the helpers. And don't you think, and I know that we always did this because we ran an outpatient clinic, is when someone would call, like if there was a mom who had a baby with a cleft palate, like, okay, you need to see Starla because like she has personal experience with this. She has clinical experience with this. And a lot of times, like if it was a really young mom, like, okay, we're going to match her up with Jocelyn. Or, you know, if it was, you know, an older mom and maybe there was a tongue tie, like, po like, cause that's Mary's areas area of expertise. Then we would really look at the situation and say like, you know, I know someone that will, you know, has this expertise because we yeah. all have the baseline knowledge. Yeah. But, you know, being able to find someone who has additional layers and experience and expertise, I think is important. Too. And I think that whole peer piece of it that the peer counselor brings is that when a mom feels like she can identify with you, mm -hmm. you can identify with her, that there's that just kind of like little kindred spirit. And then there needs to be trust. Mm -hmm. And if you're working with a lactation consultant and you don't seem to be moving anywhere with it, find somebody else. Like mm -hmm. you're not stuck with one. Mm -hmm. If you don't like your cardiologist response to your questions, <laughs> snark, snark, yeah. you might want <laughs> to find another one. But then again, he won't let you die. Mm -hmm. But is it somebody, you know, most cardiologists and neurosurgeons, I only say that because Mary and I, <laughs> I have those on our little list one. of those. Mm -hmm is that um, you need to find someone that you feel comfortable and confident with. Mm -hmm. And there might be, you know, your plumber, he's going to come in and fix your toilet and leave, but he's not going to listen to y'all, your hormonal rants and sob stories and all of that. And a lot of times that's what you need from us is to validate what you're feeling mm -hmm. and we get it. And if we just say, I hear you, I don't know what's going on, but we're going to figure this out. Mm -hmm together and stay in touch and somebody needs to have good follow-up and all of that. And there, we kind of know within our little tight-knit community of lactation consultants that the three of us have worked with a lot. I know what everybody's like little super specialties are. And I think the best thing for that mom is to go see that person, at least for some input or speech or OT or pediatric dentistry, ENT um, or whatever. And it's the same thing with shopping for a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. These groups that bounce you around from doctor to doctor each visit, you don't see the same person. Why don't you find somebody who you don't have to tell your story to every single time? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. For sure. So, that, and somebody who's going to support your goals and your choices. Mm -hmm. I might not personally wouldn't have chosen your path. Like, if you want to only pump because you only want to pump, okay, my job is to give you the information. Mm -hmm. You pick what you like. And then I help you pick what which way you're going to go and how you're going to be successful because everybody has different choices and needs. And that's what our, our job is to support that. So if you don't feel like you're being supported, find somebody else. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think individual goals are important, especially in breastfeeding and, <clears throat> and you know, because like, for instance, the AAP says you should breastfeed for one year and continue longer than that as long as mom and baby desire it. But, you know, there's moms that say, I only want to breastfeed for four months and I'll give you the recommendation and then say, like, great, how can I help get you to four months? Yeah, because that's what your goal is, you know, and and not to make the mom feel empowered to get to whatever her individual goal is. And also someone that takes into account 
your individual lifestyle and situation, because not everyone has the same level of support, you know, or the same situation. So someone that can be really, um, you know, work with you with what your framework is in your life and build a care plan that's going to work for you, I think is vital. How many times have y'all had a mom call and they go, well, my baby's almost a, a year or 15 months, whatever the number is. And we're trying to wean and it's not working. And I'll say, well, what was your plan a year ago or six months ago? Mm-hmm. What was your plan last week? Do you feel like you have to change something? Or is this something that's changing with your job? Feel them out because I find a lot of moms and I, and sometimes the ones that I've worked with closely that I kind of have that rapport with and I'll go, are you sure you really want to read right now? And a lot of times I'll go, no, but I'm going on a cruise in two months mm-hmm. and I need to wrap this up. Or my mother-in-law and my family, they want to keep the baby overnight and it's not going to work. And then sometimes I'll go, well, you know, it's January we're in the height of flu season. (laughs) If you really, really, really want to wean, my obligation is to help you as a professional and help you work. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But did you know that? And you provide them more education. And then they go, I didn't know that. And no, I really don't want to. And I said, because it's going to take a while. So if we save morning and bedtime till last, do you know that the antibody level of your, your milk actually increases as you're weaning the baby? And providing that little bit of education and then they go, no. And then they go, I really didn't want to wean, but because of X, Y, Z, I'm like, well, had you thought about this or that Mm -hmm. and offer them some choices and they go, you know what, girl, you don't have to be pumping. You can give your baby another source of calcium and nutrition. And we talk about nutritional counseling and you can still nurse your baby when you want to. Yeah. And we offer you alternatives that you might not have thought just like a personal trainer a doctor, somebody else is going to give you another choice. Absolutely. So I think the point is, is that everyone's journey is different. Um, Lactation consultants are professionals who specialize in breastfeeding. And most of us feel a passion and calling to come into this profession. Um, And you should find an LC who fits your needs and personalities and will support your goals. All right, guys. So please send us your feedback. Anything you'd like us to cover, just drop us a line. You can email us at thesnarkyboobqueens at gmail.com. You can follow us at Facebook at the Snarky Boob Queens. Or you can follow us on Instagram at the Snarky Boob Queens. And until next time. When When in doubt, doubt, whip it out. out. Bye. Bye.